Hi, and welcome to episode 22 of the Baseball from Home podcast. This is the end of the Cubs. I'm Connor McKnight. He's Joe Brand. We're brought to you by the House of L Podcast Network. I've been covering baseball for radio stations in Chicago for the last 10 years. Joe has been broadcasting minor league baseball for the last nine. He covers the White Sox and the Cubs for WGN Radio. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at C1 McKnight. He is at Joe underscore Brand One. You know the drill. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love it when you do, and it helps us get the podcast to a lot of people who want to hear it, even to some who don't. And believe me, that's just as helpful as anything else. Subscribe, rate, and view. We really appreciate you listening. Every show, we cover the Cubs, we cover the White Sox. This one, though, an exception to those rules. This is just about the Cubs bowing out to the Marlins in round one of an extended bracket in 2020. Joe, I'll be forthright here because I think my experience on Friday is, is kind of it's somewhat interesting, and I, I don't want to do this from a woe is me pers- uh, perspective, but I, I will say this. Um, we, My family buried my grandfather on Friday, so I didn't see any of the game. I've watched some in review on Saturday, uh, trying to, you know, getting ready for this podcast, but I quickly realized that, that truly sitting down and watching that particular game would lend me absolutely zero insight into how to do this podcast and 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 end the Cubs 2020 season. It it just it was so meaningless. That game in and of itself when you look at the struggles of this team for years was completely and utterly meaningless. I'm trying to think of a movie that you would watch time in and time out and know the outcome but you still watch it Oh, but it's a really, really bad movie. I, I can never think of a scenario like that other than watching the Chicago Cubs in the postseason the past couple of go-arounds. I'm really mad at Derek Jeter. I'm really mad that he brought back the Marlins colors that they had when they eliminated the Cubs in 2003. I think it would have been a little bit easier sure. to see the Marlins celebrating on Wrigley Field if they were in their bright orange, a little bit of green, and mainly white on the field rather than back to the teal blue, black, and gray. I, I just it I was not expecting to relive 2003. It was not to that extent this past couple of days, but... There was just something very eerie about a fall day and those Marlins colors taking a picture in front of the mound at Wrigley Field. My my friend, who's a really big Cubs fan, sent me a uh, an Instagram meme. I, I'm sure you've seen it, but it's a picture of uh, Miguel Cabrera from 2003, side by side with a picture of Miguel Cabrera now, and like all of us, like he has very much aged. Uh, and it's just like I, you know, it's it's been this long since the Marlins won a postseason series. And I'm staring at this photo, you know, contemplating my own life going just, oh, oh, my God, this hurts. Like, oh, oh, my God, Miggy, I feel you. Which Miguel Cabrera am I? Am I the one on the left or the one on the right? I think most Cub oh. fans are feeling like the one on the right. No, no doubt. No doubt at all. I, I think, too, you know, we 
if you didn't listen to the the podcast we did when the White Sox bowed out of the playoffs, I completely understand this whole pod, the Baseball from Home pod, is built so that Cubs fans and White Sox fans can get it all if they want or just their own team if you want to, too. That was kind of our whole philosophy here. But what we wanted to do in these two podcasts, you know, wrapping up the White Sox season and the Cubs, is focus more on the series itself um, before going into some of the big picture, long-term stuff for the Cubs or for the White Sox. And we're going to do that podcast, right? Like once Theo talks and gives his end of season, you know, state of the union address, we'll do a podcast after that. And for what it's worth, if you're a Sox fan listening to this portion of the Cubs stuff, we're going to do the same thing when Rick Hahn speaks at the end of the year or, or in the next couple of days, I should say. But you know, Joe and I were kind of kicking around ideas for this pod and where we wanted to go with it and realized that for the Cubs, it's really hard to do a podcast about anything other than the future of this organization and the big picture stuff because of how awfully similar it all feels. It's just, it's, it doesn't really mean anything to me to go, yes, the, the difference in the 2020 Cubs from the 1918-17 Cubs is that they wasted the best Darvish year and the best best Jason Hayward year. Like, okay, great. What is what does that really do for you? Nothing. It doesn't do anything for a Cubs fan that wants to claw their eyes out watching them strand another runner at second with three straight strikeouts to end a ball game. It does nothing. Yeah, the podcast for the finale of the White Sox season was all about, boy, what a game. Unfortunately, they lose. Boy, what a season. How does this team improve and, and move forward? But but for the Cubs, again, it's something we have seen time in and time out. I'll give a little bit more of an understanding with how Sixto Sanchez was on the mound. I do think that the guy was a lot better than Sandy Alcantara in Game 1. I mean, the guy was throwing in the triple digits. He was spotting corners. He had some filthy, filthy pitches. But this is still just a Cubs offense that becomes lost in the offseason. And I, I don't understand why it happens. But then when you look at the regular season and you notice that it does happen from time to time in the regular season, too. I mean, there's so many slumps that guys go on, and, and it's where the whole team just shuts down. And it, it does it come to a point, well, maybe this offense is just built to abolish bad pitching and find a lot of struggles against good pitching. I mean, where do you draw the line with these guys? And it just seemed like at the end of the game, guys like Anthony Rizzo and Javier Baez were just really feeling it like, wow, this could be it for our core group of, and I don't want to use that term, but I just mean like that group, they are very close knit. They are very close friends. They went through something that no one has ever gone through by winning the World Series with the Chicago Cubs and breaking a 108-year drought. So they all have this bond that they'll have for for the rest of their lives. And with it just declining every year since then, it just becomes more frustration and more just wonder, like, what has gone on? And you're right, man. I didn't even think about that is the best we've seen you, Darvish, in a Cubs uniform who knows if we'll see him continue that next season. I think we will. But the Jason Hayward thing is really unfortunate because that's the guy you've been waiting for for quite some time, and it all goes for not in just two games in the postseason. You know what, too? I, I think, you know, obviously we're going to have to 
do some revisionist history when it comes to this core, when it comes to this Cubs team. And and trying to keep it as narrowly focused as I, I can for this particular podcast, it kind of hit me. The offense had been billed as something, right? After 2016, when Kyle Schwarber makes his miraculous uh, return in the postseason and helps win World Series games and 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 a, like an actual World Series, the the promise was so big with all of these players, all of them, top to bottom, right? And what we've seen since is that when the offense is e- for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Even when the offense is working well, when it's not broken, as Theo Epstein turned it, termed it rather after the 2018 season, they just still don't slug enough. Like, that's what this comes down to. Kyle Schwarber was never really going to be a 300 hitter. Javi Baez was never really going to be a 300 hitter. And I'm just using, like, the crudest of benchmarks, right? Like, if you know me, if you've listened to me talk about baseball before, you know I don't really actually give a shit about batting average. But for sake of a placeholder here, let's just use 300 hitter so I can get through this and don't have to do any more explainers because you're already fed up with a Cubs offense that has died on you several times. But it was told they were... You were told that they were going to slug. If they didn't hit for power and just walked and hit a bunch of home runs, you'd be okay. But they didn't. Kyle Schwarber didn't. Javi Baez didn't. Chris Bryant didn't. Anthony Rizzo didn't. Wilson Contreras didn't. There just wasn't enough power for this power-laden offense to get through the low contact rates that they had. That was 18, that was 19, and that was damn sure 20, plus injuries. I'd hate to say that it's just a, a boom or bust for this offense, but th- the last couple of games especially, there just seemed like such lack of a plan when coming up to the plate. I, I said in game one, I felt like they weren't aggressive enough early in counts, and then it almost seemed like they were too aggressive in game two. I mean, they were swinging at basically everything that Sanchez threw, and a lot of it was either too hot to handle or well-placed, so they were quickly behind in the count, and then this guy was able to just dot the corners, put some fantastic movement on his pitches, so I mean, none of the Cubs could get a good swing on it. They couldn't they couldn't level up on any pitch. Everything was a weak pop-out or a weak ground-out, and it just... I. I I agree with you. It comes down to the fact that these guys have had success in the past where they drive the ball like crazy and they go on these runs and they feel like they can hit everything, but then the moment they get really challenged and you see that challenge turn into failure and then all of it just starts to snowball and go downhill and nobody can come up for air at that point. Everyone's looking to be the hero. Everyone's looking to come up with the big hit. And it's like, yeah, well, well, we need a base runner. So, all right, let's just, let's just get on. Let's just, let's find a, a pitch over the outside of the zone where we can slap it the other way. But, but you're right. Maybe it is too much of this, this launch angle 
concentration and things of that nature. But, like, I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of the best way to get on base and the best way to drive in runs is elevate the baseball. I'm totally a fan of that. Hell yeah. But when all your guys are doing that, and I'm not saying you need a Nick Madrigal on this lineup to to get things going, but it, it just seems like it was way too contagious and it was all the same problem and maybe that's what happens when you when you draft so many hitters that are the same type cuz cuz that's that's what it was coming down to it was you know the sustained success of this offense we're going to have hitters that yeah that don't die off because that's what you do nowadays in baseball you buy your pitching later you trade for your pitching later but I mean, yeah, that has been the consistent, aside from, like, John Lester and Kyle Hendricks. Everyone's been rotated out except for this this hitting core. But that's been the biggest problem of this team the past five years. You know, I've heard some some reporters and some talking heads and whatnot kind of offer some excuses for players. Not just Cubs, but for players this year. You know, like not having a crowd or such a short season or, you know, you're 0 for 10 feels like an 0 for 50 because, well, I guess it'd feel like an 0 for 27 because if everything is multiplied by 2.7, 10 times 2. But either way, like a, a slump feels so much bigger because there's so much less baseball. Yeah, that's true. But I refuse to operate in that world when every player in baseball had to deal with that. DJ LeMahieu hit fine. Jose Abreu hit fine. Anthony Rendon hit fine. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just... I. I that doesn't work for the 2020 Cubs. It certainly can't work up and down the order the way you'd need to apply those excuses to some of those horrible numbers. It just, that doesn't work for me. And that's such an easy out for a team that's been asked to do so much more, not for just one season, but for four, for four straight seasons. I'm done with the argument of, oh, no fans in the park to get the team rejuvenated. I mean, the team started off 13-3. and They did just fine with a brand-new situation of playing in front of no fans. I'm, I'm very tired of that argument. And, and that 13-3 and start, don't give me that it was just the starting pitching because it wasn't. The offense, that's that's when the offense was at its peak. It was guys— Schwarber looked great for the first 15 games. Right, and it was one through nine. It was one through nine producing, not relying on just ripping the ball over the bleachers. It was guys barreling up pitches, putting the ball where anybody wasn't, and it was just an ongoing thing. And then all of a sudden it hit a wall. They were able to coast with some resustained bullpen work and some— you know, games where the the starting pitching or the or the bullpen it was able to just squeeze squeeze by by one run or so. And that's the other thing. The beginning of this year it was all about the bullpen. It was all about Craig Kimbrell and how are the Cubs going to be able to bounce back from this? And that turned out to be absolutely none of the factors of the postseason whatsoever. Kimbrell, I thought looked really good. Yeah, I know he fine. found a little bit of trouble, but that that was the Craig Kimbrell that we saw. He'd be okay for a batter or two. He'd put a guy on. All of a sudden, things would start to snowball, but he'd still get out of there just in time towards the end of the regular season. So I, I, I don't get it. I don't. It's it's interesting because, I mean, it worked. It worked in 15 for the most part until they ran into a Mets staff that just shut them down 100%. It worked in 2016 even though they were very, very close to losing that World Series. But 2017, I still feel like the only reason they win is because they have Way Davis. And, and they're able to, to beat the Washington Nationals bullpen. So it's, it's interesting how, how well it can work and how poorly it can work. But that's, that's the hottest and coldest offense I've ever seen in baseball. It makes sense that the epitaph 
for the Cubs in 2020 is we struck out three straight times against Brandon Kinsler. That I mean that that should hurt. That should hurt. You you should look at that and hurt if you're wearing cubby blue. Matt Spiegel tweeted this, how David Bodie was so upset about that strike three called, which was a fantastic pitch. That's your former teammate. You got to know that that, yeah. that ball's got that movement. You, you got to be a little bit aware of that. Here's the other thing. The last out that the Marlins made was that hot shot to third that Bryant stopped, threw over to first. Is that the last Chris Bryant to Anthony Rizzo ground out we see? <sighs> Those are bigger questions we're going to answer. Look at you teasing the next Cubs episode of the pod, Joe. Those are questions we're going to answer, or at least try to, in the next episode of Baseball from Home. I, well, we don't know whether it's going to be the next one. It depends on when Rick Hahn speaks, and it depends on when Theo Epstein speaks. And if they both speak on the same day, then you're going to get two gigantic episodes of the Baseball from Home podcast. He's Joe. I'm Connor. What a terrible Cubs season that was. But don't worry. There's off-season episodes of the Baseball from Home pod coming your way. Thanks for listening.